folks, welcome to a brand new episode of Bullet Points 716. A ton to talk about tonight. We got UB Women's Hoops with Maniac, UB Football, and Men's Basketball after their first two games of the season. And they are headed to Toronto on Saturday to take on Harvard. Show sponsor, West Her Automotive. 24 locations across Western New York. And if you're smart, you buy from Bunt. That's our Mike Bunt. Ohio suffered a brutal loss in overtime at home. Their season's pretty much pretty much over. I'm your host, Degenerate Al. We got Maniac on the show tonight. We got Ty B. And we got Kevin Masseri. But let's start it off with Maniac as UB Women's Hoops have now moved to 3-0 and had another big win at home tonight. Yeah, big 71-55 win over the local rival, Canisius. UB Women's Hoops off to a 3-0 and start. And maybe the most important thing so far for them is that they've done it without their first-team consensus all-MAC player, Summer Hemphill, who's been sidelined by injury. They've gotten a couple of contributions. One, I mean, basically two main sources, Teresa Unwuka and new freshman Daesha Fair have been uh, carrying the tide for Coach Jack and this women's team. And, and, and to start off the season, Maniac, with two wins against the Big Four. You know, you're taking down Canisius and you're taking down Niagara right away. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> they open the season against Central Connecticut, which in all honesty is kind of like a warm-up game. But then you're playing these two big, Big Four rivalry games right away. I mean, you're getting a taste of what being a Buffalo basketball team is all about. You got to beat Canisius. You got to beat Niagara. They did it in both games. The biggest surprise so far for this team was that they thought there was going to be some major drop-off after losing Sierra Dillard, obviously a top-five scorer in the nation. But the slack has been completely picked up, and then some. One, you have Teresa Onwuka so far is averaging roughly 25 to 26 points per game. Her game high coming into this year, which is her senior season, was 20. So she's playing out of her mind. And Diasia Fair. So, you know, we have the Rochester girls. Sierra was from Rochester. Diasia is also from a similar, you know, right there in Rochester. So they knew each other. And there was a lot of hype with Fair coming in. And she's lived up to it entirely. She's scored above 20 in every game. And in the lane, she's absolutely devastating. So, like I said, I mean, I think that UB was expecting to win these three games to open the season. But I think they've done it in impressive fashion without their best player, Summer, Summer Hempel. And to be honest, without Hannah Hall, who was one of their best players last year, playing too well. She has, she's had a little bit of a slow start. But that's why they start in November and you don't play the important games until January, February, and March. That's that's what a classic Syracuse basketball fan will say, but we can leave that for you know another topic. But like you said, three and zero without your best player, and now Maniac. I know the first game. I mean, UB Women's they didn't look too good at home, right? That was a close game. I remember following your tweets in that one. Is it more of like them playing down to their opponent in the first one? Clearly, like you said, just a warm up type game. In all three games so far, they've kind of gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. It's almost like they're feeling out their opponent. And then once they sense a weak point or, I mean, I don't know if I, if I can like say it, but I mean, I don't know if Coach Jack is making adjustments at that point, but it seems like Teresa and Daesha especially are being very aggressive on the attack. And both of them have picked up their games in the second and third quarter. And that's where UB has kind of taken over in all three games so far. I mean, the crazy thing to me with looking at it is that if you get Summer Hemphill back, that's essentially a double-double per game. You're just yep. adding to the lineup. And there are not a lot of players women's-wise in the nation that can say that they're an automatic double-double. So when you're looking at how they've played so far, I think my biggest takeaway from the game against Canisius tonight was that UB potentially, barring any crazy injuries or any sort of fall-off, I think they could be looking at 30 wins this year. Wow. So you're see, I, was, I was literally just about to ask you that, your season outlook. You're saying you're putting an over-under, right? You'd not be shocked if this team won 30 games. Now, up ahead, the schedule, do they have anything big non-conference that you're looking forward to? Or are you kind of just thinking that they're going to get through you know, non-conference play, maybe one, two losses, and let's get ready for MAC play? Yeah, it should be relatively smooth sailing. Obviously, a lot you know, depends on Summer Bill. They do have the matchup, a top-five matchup against Stanford. So they, you'll remember they, uh, they actually welcomed the Cardinal uh, to Alumni yep. Arena last December. It was a great matchup. I think they... 
as, as crazy as it sounds, I think they played that game on, at a, on a Friday at 11 a.m., and it was just, it was still a pretty packed alumni arena. It was a great matchup. UB was within, a, like, at least, I want to say, two buckets in the fourth quarter. So I expect that to be an interesting matchup. It'll be very, it'll all depend on whether they get Summer Hempel back for that one. And keep in mind, they actually didn't have her for their road game against Oregon last year where they played on the road. So things are a little bit crazy. Obviously, Coach Jack likes to see what her team has you know, after a little bit of a ramp up once they have a little bit on film. So that's why, you know, you have the Stanford game again a couple weeks in, just like you had the Oregon game last year. But besides that matchup, I mean, I don't see anyone. Obviously, the Bonaventure game, it's always tough to go into Olean despite uh, their recent struggles. Um, Dayton has to come to Buffalo, so UB doesn't have to go to that tough environment. And then after that, you're looking at Dartmouth and then Mac play. So to be honest, besides the Stanford, game, which is obviously going to be a huge battle. It is anytime you have a top five team in any sport. Um, I literally like their outlook. And I mean, honestly, their chances to be favored in a majority, if not all of those games going into Mac play. You cannot sleep on Dartmouth. It does. Uh, those Ivy League schools, they'll get you when you're not focused. But I hear right, you. La- last year, UB women's lost their first game at home to Stanford by seven. Hannah Hall made it a two-point game with 6.45 left in the fourth after a three-pointer. Assisted by Sarah Dillard. That was an unreal game. I remember you covering that last year. Oh, that place was rocking. Going crazy. And they've been going crazy again this year. I mean, despite it being November weekday games for the most part, they've had some good crowds for their games at Alumni Arena. Alitni Arena has been going crazy. And I expect this team to continue to go crazy into January, and especially Mac play. Okay, speaking of Mac play, uh, you know, Ty be a maniac. Let's get into some UB football. They've had some time off. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a full 12 days as of Thursday night when they take on Kent State uh, in a couple nights. Uh, Bulls are minus six in that matchup, currently five and four overall, <laughs> third in the conference, and it's one of those things where this team is really, really kicking themselves. You know, seeing Ohio lose again tonight, and they're pretty much eliminated, uh, you know, from the MAC East. And then you're looking at Miami, Ohio, pretty much running away with it. But looking back, I mean, the UB Bulls had such a good chance to win the MAC East, Ty Yeah, they had a great opportunity in it. <laughs> and it's it's going to be tough now. You look back at it, and that OT loss to Ohio is really going to kill you. Um, I know it was right there for the taking, and – you know, it's been a great year for a lot of a lot of the team too. You look at Jared Patterson's having a great season. He's up to uh, 995 total yards. Um, he's on pace to have uh, 1,327 yards, which would be fifth all time uh, in school history in the season. So like he's up there, and it's just tough to see that the team you know isn't going to be where. They would want to be probably in Detroit this year, but they're on the verge of getting to a bowl game. They just need one more win to get to bowl eligibility for the third time in a row, and that would be the fifth time in school history. So that's phenomenal, at least. Uh, you know, you're, no, you're like you said, you're one win away from bowl eligibility, and the big things you want to talk about with what this team, what you can be happy about, like you said, obviously the running game, no doubt, but I'm pretty sure. You know, our own Kevin Masseri said, he sent us a screenshot recently saying this UB defense is one of the top in the country, Maniac. Yeah, the way the uh, stats are compiling, I think it looked like they were about top 20 coming into this week overall in the nation. I think they were ahead of, someone was telling me, Auburn or Georgia. I mean, that's just crazy when you see a UB uh, team on that level. It's quite the transformation from last year. They were an offensive powerhouse that was able to get stops, but they really leaned on their offense and just scoring whenever they could. This year, it's been the defense taking over, and because of that, because the defense has been so stout, I mean, especially since Mac play started, you look at the last 17 regulation quarters of Mac play, this UB defense has allowed 48 points. That's less than three points per quarter that they're allowing in Mac play over the last basically four-plus games. So I think that makes it, it's like Ty B said, it makes it all the more disappointing that right now they're not projected to go to Detroit due to what Miami of Ohio is doing. I mean, that game got away from them as well. All the more frustrating when they were leading Ohio and Miami of Ohio at half. But you can't look on what's happened. You can only focus on what they have ahead of them. And obviously, I think they're ready to do that against Kent State. I mean, obviously, just like UB's won three in a row, Kent State comes in having dropped their last three. 
Yeah, and that's why once again, you know, when you see UB favored on the road, what do you do? It's automatic. You hit them because hammer. You, you don't you, exactly you hammer. You don't see it that often. And that's kind of what happened with that smashing the gavel. Gavel time. And you saw that spread against Eastern. I'm pretty sure it opened around Eastern minus one in a pick and slowly went to UB one, one and a half, two. I mean, you know what the Sharps are going to be hitting. But, it's yeah, you're right. It's just very unfortunate when you see Miami of Ohio um, who, yeah, they're up a game on UB, but that's pretty much two because they have the tiebreaker. And they still got to play home to BGSU, home to Akron, two of the worst teams in the entire conference, the worst two teams in the MAC East. And Akron falls again tonight and is not only 0-10, but 0-10 against, against the, spread. the spread. Do you realize how tough that is? I think they're and the UB, worst team I mean, in college and, football. Yeah, and UB backdoored them, right? UB yeah. covered that spread with a backdoor. Oh, yeah, big time backdoor. Yeah, backdoor uh, scoop and score. Yep. Scoop and score. Like, six, was that Ladarius yeah. Mack? No. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember. It was Ladarius Mack de- and scoop and score. There were two I mean, defensive TDs there. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, it was, it was, it was second half late. I'm not. I'm not sure if Mac got the first no, one the Ma- or the Mac second, second one. Mac had the we, second one. So th- there you go. So it's just like it's one of those things where it's just like uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, UB with this team could easily be there, but with those tough, you know, with those tough losses to start off, you know, conference play is going to kill them. And I even told Maniac, um, I'm I'm not sure who I was with, you know, when I, I'm pretty sure after they lost those two games, I told Maniac, I said, you know what, you can cut your hair if this team wins the MAC championship. Did I not say that? You did. Yeah. You did. And, you did. And unfortunately, it looks like we'll be waiting until the uh, Buffalo Sabres make the playoffs. Yeah. All I'm saying is I got hope in Bowling Green. I think they have things going the right direction right now at this point in the season. They're playing Miami of Ohio tomorrow night. It's, it's what is it, November 12th. We're, we're recording this November 12th. I think that that 18-point spread for Bowling Green at Miami of Ohio is a little crazy. Miami of Ohio is coming off a huge road win at Ohio. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a big letdown spot potentially I would love for it. Miami of Ohio. I, I, I really, really do. I could see oh, that I do too. Coming, yeah, coming off, a, like you said, a huge win in Athens – now, this is where we talk about playing down to your opponents. <coughs> you know, Bowling Green, three and six. You know, they're they're three and six against the spread. It's gonna so be it's inter- kind of- interesting to see what they can do uh, you know, on the road in Miami, throw the records out in that kind of in that kind of game, midweek action. You never know what could happen. No doubt about it. But so, Al, we gotta talk yeah. about uh, we gotta talk about this game a little bit here. Uh you got Kent coming in three and six too. Uh, allowing 31.3 points per game, allowing 469 yards per game, the 12th worst in all of college football. Kyle Vantrese grew up in Stowe, Ohio, just five miles away from Kent. Do you see him having just some sort of career breakout game in a homecoming game? Vantrese? <laughs> I mean, 15 to 23, the last game, 206 yards, a touchdown, two rushing touchdowns. He's he's thrown for eight touchdowns, only one interception since he's become starter. Yeah, I do expect a big game out of him, and especially on national TV, he's made the most of this opportunity with Myers suffering the injury, um, and people have been really impressed with this guy. So I think, once again, you'd be a six-point favorites on the road. I think, you know, Kyle Van Trees, this offense, this offensive line, they're, they're veterans, they're talented. When you have a running game like this as a quarterback, I mean, when teams are stacking the box to shut down these stud sophomore running backs, yeah, I expect them to have another big day. Yeah, I yeah, think you can get a lot more camaraderie with these receivers now, um, especially you're working with some of these guys more as that second quarterback early on in the season because you have so many of these young receivers they're all rotating all the time i think you get that camaraderie he's had a good uh connection with antonio nunn maniac what are your thoughts on this you think they can get that win oh most definitely i mean tone i am has been going nuts and you really see it if they can that 
the way I look at it is that the UB running game is not an impossibility. It's an inevitability. Either it's going to get going in the first half or it's going to yep. eventually get going in the second half. The thing is, when they get it going in the first half, all bets are off for the other team because basically that opens up the passing game, play action, all kinds of options. And I think that's what you've seen in the last two weeks. They've been able to establish the running game early, and our boy Antonio Nunn, Tone I Am, has especially benefited. Offense putting up 40-plus both the last two weeks. I think they're going to go into Kent State. They're going to play a methodical game. Might be a little lower scoring than the last couple weeks, but I think that no doubt they're going to go in and take care of business. Lance, LL Cool Play, and the boys are on a roll. I cannot agree more, Maniac. And it's time to bring in Kevin Masseri from Rochester, New York. Kevin, what are your thoughts in this big matchup, national TV Thursday night? I I love the ability of UB to win this game just because, I mean, Kent State, I've watched them a little bit on tape. They're a one-trick pony, Dustin Crum, crummy quarterback. Hmm. Um, he is pretty much their entire team. He's, he's actually at a 13 touchdown to one interception clip. Uh, he's our leading rusher with 414 yards with 106, att- a whopping 106 attempts. They don't really have much of a running game behind them. Um, they do have a nice sophomore uh, receiver, Isaiah McCoy, I really like. Uh, I think he could be an NFL prospect, 6'3", 182, 40 catches for 525 yards and four touchdowns. So we'll see how he develops over he his out net last career. Week, I do believe, right? Uh, he was. So I, he, it looks like he, did, he didn't travel to Toledo. Um, I'm not sure his status of Thursday. Yeah, I haven't heard if, anything or seen anything either. As if he's team, out, so. it's a major, I mean, he gets, I mean, an average five to seven catches per game. Um, he's pretty much their entire offense beside crumb. Um, so if he's out, it's huge advantage. UB. if he's in, he's not my favorite guy to have to play against in this one behind him. They really only have, have Cavius price. Um, just an average senior receiver. He's only five, six, one sixty six. Um, can be a little annoying, but isn't going to, I don't think, take over the game. Um, but that's why we need to see what happens with McCoy. Um, their defense is terrible. Um, they've played poor. Crum actually played pretty well and kept this team in most games that, that they've played. I mean, they lost Toledo by two, Miami, Ohio, single digits, Ohio, single digits, uh, crushed Akron, um, got beat pretty bad by Wisconsin, but beat BGSU pretty bad. Um, so they've had a pretty good schedule with Auburn and Wisconsin, both ranked in the top 10 at the time. Um, so Crum, Crum's going to be annoying. He's going to be annoying next year as a senior. Um, but, I mean, I think that's pretty much all they have, Al. I'm looking forward to a high-scoring game. I think Tybee read off the statistics. I actually have UB running all over them. Um, they're letting up a ton of yards. I like Antonio Nunn in this one. And I like KVT. I think the team's played significantly better. I think Lance Leipold's able to atone for his mistake of Myers early on in the year um, mm. and go with go with KVT. I mean, we saw Myers really cost UB this this Mac East. Um, just just a pitiful performance at Miami Ohio earlier this season when they were up 14-3 and rolling. Um, you know, through a really bad pick, through another really bad pick, um, and then you know that that to start the game or start the third quarter was that pick six. Um, I, I just, at that point, he just was clearly, I don't know, he, he ended up getting that injury. I don't know what happened there, but, um, I, I like the KVT star. I think the offense is moving well. I like UB in this one, 35 to 17. Yeah. And, and God, like you said, I mean, with that Kent state defense, you're seeing a pretty decently high over under for a UB football game in this one. And Vegas thinks the same thing about that Kent state defense with an over under of 56 and a half. So they got to be expecting the Bulls to roll, easily put up points in the 30s. And wanted to ask both of you guys, Ty B and Kev, when it comes to, you know, looking at the 2019 MAC standings, it's it's pretty, you know, shocking, you know, obviously, because people thought Ohio was going to roll through the MAC East. They're right now sitting in third place. And you're looking at the MAC West, where typically it's the, you know, the Toledo Rockets and Northern Illinois, you know, running on top of that division. And on top of the MAC West is Western, Central, and Ball State. So, I, for, I mean, I want to ask both you guys, what were your biggest surprises with, the, with these standings this year and these teams? Hmm. Well, I, I really thought that Ohio was going to dominate. Everyone was just building up Nathan Rourke. Um, he had a great year last year for Ohio and those Bobcats. Um, obviously, he didn't 
return all of his weapons, but you thought that you know they could still keep that continuity going with that offense. Um, a lot of people, you know, had a lot of faith in Toledo as well. I'm not too surprised that Western's up there in that in that division because of what you know PJ Fleck was building before he left there. Um, you build a good recruiting base and continue to pull from that, and that's how you create success within the MAC. So, I really I understand that from them. Um, but Kev, yeah, where where's your biggest surprise? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – Rourke is a dominant player at Ohio, but the losses there are bigger than, than anyone could have ever imagined. Losing A.J. Owlette, um, their primetime running back, I remember him running all over UB, um, was a big, big loss there for Ohio, and they just just not able to kind of capitalize on on, on Rourke's senior year. They they didn't look great to me. They weren't they didn't seem like the best MAC team that UB's played. UB should have handled them. Some kicker issues there. Um, on the inability to miss, you know, make an extra point cost them potentially the MAC East. Between that and then a combination of early struggles by Myers, um, I, I think is going to cost UB. You know, they're still going to be bowl eligible in my opinion. Um, but I, I think the just the discrepancy to me is that there's no dominant team. So although Ohio wasn't it. I don't. I just watch Western play. Their defense is really vulnerable. Um, I don't love the way that they play. They let up a bad touchdown late in that game. They play a lot of single um, single score games. They lost early in the season at Toledo. Um, got blown out by Syracuse in a not out of conference game. Um, that I think they usually play that 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 game yearly. So I I, I just. I don't love that team. I, I watched Central play too, and when they played UB, they didn't look great. I just think the lack of top end talent in the MAC in terms of team talent is the most shocking thing to me, Al. Um, and then you see, you know, Miami, Ohio, who I saw on film last year when they played Buffalo. Um, you know that that game, you know, they lost that late in the, the the game to to UB, but they played up really well against a good UB offense. So I thought that they might have some talent. I didn't think they'd win the MAC East, but wow, taking taking. You know, taking wins against the entire top of the MAC East, really their only loss um, in, in conference play was to NIU, who isn't very good. Um, but, you know, that's not going to hurt them too bad. They're going to have to go ahead and lose to two of the worst MAC East teams um, or one in Ball State in order to drop this thing. I'm just hoping they lose to uh, to Bowling Green because that at least it makes that last week mean something at Ball State. But it's going to be pretty uneventful if they go ahead and just beat Ball, Bowling Green and uh, uh, Akron like they're supposed to. So I guess them being by far the you know the the, the runner up for for Mac East play in the conference is is my most surprising thing. Um, and, and Central Michigan being at the top of the, the the Mac West too because quite frankly I don't I don't think they're very good. Yeah, and guys, I've said it before. It's just, just imagine what this team could have if one player stayed. Honestly, I don't like, I don't it, 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 it wouldn't even be close. And if he doesn't leave, who knows if all that other talent would have left? No, they, they don't right? lose any of them, Al. They don't oh, lose any of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's just, it's. And they, at that point, oh. they easily go back. But yeah, easy. We can't. I think they win the whole match. We can't. We can't dwell on it. This UB team has put up uh, 35.7 points per game the last three. Things are trending upwards. I think they continue to bring in great talent. Uh, I. It just seems like they're just gelling more and more each week. This offensive line is dominant. This defensive line is doing great things. I think they've averaged over four sacks per game the past three or four games. Um, I think, you know, it's, they're just peaking at the right time now in Mac play. You would have hoped it happened a little earlier uh, because of who you had to play, but it's happening. They're going to, you know, get to another bowl game. And it's it's a good bowl streak that this – this um, we haven't ever seen this, you know, from, from UB ever at any point. So it's just nice to see. Let's keep this going and continue it. Lance and them are out, you know, hitting the recruiting trails hard and, you know, they're getting some good talent in here and let's keep it, let's keep it going. Um, I think the Bulls can get this done in Kent. Uh, Let's secure this bull eligibility right away. Let's get more wins so you don't even have to worry about it like you had to, had to a couple years ago. Um, Kev, I like how you're at right at 35 points. I think I think they're going to get right over it. I'm going to give them 38-13. I just don't think Kent has it in them. 
I agree with that, Tybee. I think you're you're dead on. I'm I'm right there with you with that score prediction. Um, 35-17 was mine, right at that over/under mark. So we'll see how that turns out. But I mean, I just can only stop and think about what could have been. I think they could have played a second half at Penn State with the quarterback um, that was should have stayed. I think they beat Liberty. I think they definitely beat Miami and Ohio. Um, could have been a very interesting year, especially with all that KJ Osborne and uh, Mabry on all that talent they could have capped. Man, combine that with this defense, Tybee and Al, I think that you, man, I think you're talking yeah. about potentially a ranked team here. And I think the player himself, Al, would tell you himself at this point, the way his offseason went. He was even working with quarterback guru Jordan Palmer, who turned Kyle Allen uh, Josh Allen, work with Sam Darnold, um, yep, yep. Drew Locke. I mean, ugh. even with that extra push, he's still you know out, out of the NFL. So I just would have loved to see him at UB, and I think that that potentially ranked year guys could have got him where he needed to go. So it's just unfortunate, but it is what it is because I think his second option was Power 5 school and not UB. Yeah, and like, okay, I'm done. No more. No more what could have been. It's just going to piss me off even more. Exactly. I know. Let's talk yeah. about something that might even piss us off even oh. more is UB basketball Friday night opener. Uh, uh, Kinder round, obviously. Suffered a, you know, a brutal home loss that ended the winning streak at home. They were tied with Tennessee. They lost as 12-point favorites at home to Dartmouth. Bounced back on Monday night in the snowstorm at home to Nazareth, 109-72. So, you know, Kev, I'll start it with you. You know, initial thoughts after this one-and-one start for this UB men's basketball team. Yeah, and I know I wasn't able to be on the preview show, but I was glad to be able to throw in some news and nuggets there. Um, I think it was an atrocious, just a really bad start to the gym, um, the Whitesell era. They didn't look prepared. They only rolled with a really short bench playing eight players. Um, I mean, and the bench didn't play well at all. You know, Gabe Grant, um, a guy that I would st- thought would be a spark plug, went for zero points over three shooting. Uh, Devontae Jordan had a great second half, but just, just I mean, one of the worst first halves I've ever seen um, him play or, or a UB player. So mm-hmm. um, that was really disappointing. Antoine Johnson didn't really get going. Um, Graves, Graves, he'll do his 15 to 20 point thing. Um, you know, Williams didn't get going and Mbala shows, you know, a little bit of something, but, um, guys, I mean, I think Dartmouth is decent. I said it, I think I told you, Al, that they're returning every single player. Um, they also locked down Florida Gulf coast to 49 points. Um, I think they're going to be a legit contender in that Ivy league, them Penn, um, Harvard, who actually dropped to Northeastern, um, so it was funny when I when I noticed that that entire team was returning and I did some some film on them, I realized real quickly that they were legitimate on the defensive side of the, the ball um, and they were awful on def- defense last year. So they really cleaned that up there for um, for uh, Dartmouth and you saw UB struggle. I mean, they struggled. You know, if, if a team's struggling on offense, that could mean the defense is, is doing their thing. So, guys, I think that's where I start with this, that UB was uh, you know not prepared. I had rumblings inside um inside the team that were that they told me they were really worried about Dartmouth as they saw Penn knock off Alabama uh, earlier that week and they are working hard so they, there must have been a mismatch problem and I just think at a young team um, you saw that you know they're struggling um, to get some some synergy as a team and you know quite frankly I thought they needed to play a little bit deeper of a bench and bring some more players off but we've heard you know now that Skogman's going to be redshirted you know, we've heard a couple of other news and not notes about this UB team. You know, Fagan's still recovering. You know, Brock has got a foot injury. Um, so they were kind of caught off guard there early on in this and kind of rebounded nicely. Uh, I still think they have some defensive things to work out, guys. Uh, you never want to have a D3 opponent go over 70 points on you. Um, you know, the, the offense seems to be there. So, guys, I, I'm, I'm excited for this. I think Harvard's the next challenge. But you can't go out 0-2 in the Ivy League to start this thing. It's going to be a tough, tough way to, 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 to do this. No, and if you think that, I mean, as a, if you have last year's team, like a Nick Perkins, a Massenberger, Carruthers, when you're struggling like that in the first half, half, second half, I don't think you lose to Dartmouth. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there, we were, me, no, me, I was yes. sitting next to Mike Bunt, and I'm like, when are we going, and, and Tybee, I was like, when are we going to break through? Like, we are so much more talented than this Dartmouth team. And there were flashes in the second half where UB went on some, like, 
4-0, runs, cut it to like three or four, but we never got past that point. And like, I just feel like that was a more senior led team with players that have been here. The UB gets, gets that win and there's no way we lose at home to Dartmouth. But I mean, Tybee, I don't know what you were seeing, but it was just one of those, it was a very, very frustrating game to watch. Yeah. So I think the big thing is defensively, uh, where they got gashed was in the pick and roll game. Um, you gave up 46 points in the paint. Oh. And that comes directly off those pick and rolls. Um, they were able to get close, close shots time and time again. And that was the big problem. Um, the, I think the rotation was very, was lacking on those. Um, you weren't getting the right movement. Um, it was a sort of a lack of communication, I think, because later on in the game, you did see them sort of make adjustments. And in that Nazareth game, they were cutting them off a lot, especially early on um, from that. And I think they made some good adjustments from there. Um, you had Laquil Hardnett and Gabe Grant both go over in the game against Dartmouth. Um, I thought Hardnett, yeah, looked confused in that pick-and-roll game. Every single time he got beat, you had him getting taken right off the floor. So why did you keep throwing him right out there? Maybe throw someone else out there. Try something. Um, obviously, they didn't do that, and that's that's what ended up with the loss. Um, UB last year offensively was a huge part of it, came from the fast-break game. They only had nine points against Dartmouth on the fast break. Um, and when they played Nazareth, you had 39 and you had 46 bench points as opposed to just five against Dartmouth. So that's a huge difference. Um, obviously, the change in competition is the big thing, but they were playing a different style of game. That's the UB offensive game that we're used to seeing the past couple of years. And I think that's where they're going to excel because you have athletic fourth or you know three through five because you're not going to play a, an authentic center you know what i mean um so yeah. that's going to be a huge part you're going to have the to score be they did last year yeah what was the score of the game last year 90 what was it 110 to, it was pretty what 40 point difference uh yeah 109 72 against naz no the uh, dartmouth did you say the dartmouth ub game last year you you referenced the fast break points. Oh no, yeah, it was nine against uh, Dartmouth this year, and then against Nazareth it was for uh, thirty nine. Oh, okay, you're, okay, okay. Sorry, no, I thought no. you said the, the Dartmouth game last year. No, um, no, it I mean, Naz this year. It, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was a forty point game difference, I, th- I believe, roughly around there, and then a, fi- a forty, like a thirty five point win and a five point loss here. Are we saying that UB was 40 points different? Because it's the same Dartmouth team. So we can say that with a with everything, that, that, that the Dartmouth team didn't change. It's the same players, exactly. They had gotten a little bit better with another year. Um, but there's a 40-point difference from this Dartmouth team coming on the UB floor um, and this year where they you know lost by five. So, guys, I mean, we can say that 40 points no, different. I, right I don't think – I don't think – no. I think that'll – It'll make up for it throughout the season. Um, obviously, it's an early game against a decent, comp- like legitimate competition. The Ivy is probably going to get two teams into the tournament this year, um, and they return everyone. There's when you play someone early on in the season, they're when they have that cohesiveness and that communication on defense and on offense. It's tough when you're a team trying to just adjust to that and trying to get your bearings in that first time when you have, you know, three new starters, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Um, and especially, you know, everyone coming off the bench and the roles everyone's playing is completely different. Um, it's just, it's complete. It's a whole different ball game. I still, you know, don't like how they only played eight guys against Dartmouth. I thought, you know, maybe bring someone in for a spark, especially early on in the season, but We'll see what they do, but I think it's more of um, a one-time thing. I don't think that it's going to be symptomatic of UB throughout the season. Yeah, guys. I mean, so if you look at it, yeah, go ahead. If you yeah, you you get Dartmouth, you play eight players. Yeah, Grant, Lacole, Harnett, Segu off the bench. What I mean, obviously with Brock being out. 
do you see Brock and someone else contributing a lot of minutes in key games when Mac play rolls around or when you got to play a UConn or Vanderbilt or DePaul? I mean, obviously with UB last year, it was typically what a seven, eight man rotation. Do you see it going that much farther this year? Yeah, I think it should because I think you're deeper in that in that final those final spots than you were last year. So to be close to last year or to try to try to be where you were, I mean, it's tough to say they're going to be close to that. But to be even close, um, you need to to play a deeper bench. So to me, that means I like the spark that I've seen in the two games that beside this Dartmouth game, the the Nas game and the uh, Damon game. I really like the spark that I saw from Savion Gallen. Um, I thought that he's came off the bench nicely. I think he's a good defender, three steals yesterday, two rebounds, um, you know, five points in his 14 minutes. That's the kind of defensive Crother spark that I needed outside of him. I think you got to play Nickelberry. I think he had five rebounds, six points, uh, four assists. Um, he's took a little while to get his, his get in from um, his Juco school to get his everything all set. You know, he came in late into camp and uh, kind of behind, you know, c- kind of behind a little bit and uh, took took a bunch of fouls yesterday. But, you know, between Galen and Nickelberry, I think those are the two guys that we're missing there. I mean, obviously, with Brock's injury, Fagan's injury, um redshirting Skogman um so you're already down to 10 players right there so those are the two players that to me guys you know you had the eight that played I think you need to play up to 10 um going forward and I think there's needs to be minutes for Galleon and, and um Nickelberry because Nickelberry is a top 30 Juco player and at some point I think he could break out especially if someone's where, in a slump where did he go before Juco Memphis so you know power five player um was recruited as such and um, I think he's a solid, solid basketball player, six, seven, two ten. He's a big guy. Um, I think that with, we had a little bit of, you know, William struggling early in that Dartmouth game and, um, you know, Gabe Grant struggling, I think Nickelberry. So I don't know if that was uh you're going to sit out this game and, and keep continue to learn, or I don't know what happened there, but not playing him was a little strange. I get Galleon because he was a raw freshman, um, you know, kind of the last man on the recruiting class, if you want to say that. Um, but at some point, kind of like you did Carruthers and kind of like you did CJ, I think you got to give this guy some minutes just to, to make sure he is what he is. I, I've loved what I've seen from him. And Nickelberry is going to come out. I think he had a decent showing yesterday, and I want to see him against Harvard. I don't think it should ever be less than a 10-man rotation, guys. I don't know where you stand, Tybee, but that's that's where I'm at. Honestly, I'm pretty much right there with you. I think <clears throat> Gabe Grant, obviously not a great showing against Dartmouth, um, pulled it together against Naz put up 12 points um same thing with Antoine Johnson 12 points and Jonathan was actually right there as well um so that's great to see from those guys those are the the main guys you need to step up but you need people from the bench to do more and you saw that in that game um obviously because they got more minutes and whatnot but um I think they're going to be people who are going to help this team get to that next level. Um, You're going to have to have that compete level from everyone for the entire game. And if you want to get that, I think you're going to have to do that rotation because you don't have as much talent necessarily, or at least as much experience um, as we did last year. Um, But this game against Harvard is a winnable game just because of what's going on with them right now. Um, As you look at the crimson right now they're they're projected to win that ivy league 15 to 17 first place in their uh preseason poll uh tommy amaker has done a great job with that team uh they've won like like seven of the last couple ivy league titles uh recently uh they returned 96.7 percent of their scoring but the big issue right now is bryce aiken their leading scorer from last year who put up 22.2 points per game uh, last season and was the Ivy League player of the season, was is actually out right now with a calf injury. Um, and the player of the year of the season before that, uh, Seth Towns, who missed the entire last season, still is not back from injury. He put up uh, 16 points and six rebounds that season. And, you know, they're still dealing with those injuries. And they lost an early game against Northeastern that they're expected to blow them out, too. So I think that's a winnable game still up there in Toronto, Al. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we go into Toronto next week, I think that's 
uh, arguably our toughest non-conference game of the entire year. When you talk about, uh, you know, UB's got to take on Harvard, DePaul, Vanderbilt, and could be a tough stretch in Charleston, depending on if you beat UConn. Uh, you know, you have potential to play Xavier. And I know Florida's on that other side of the bracket. Um, but before we get, you know, too deep into the non-conference schedule, it's getting late here on this Tuesday night. I had a question for both you guys, and want your honest opinion on Jonathan Williams. Um, you know, after what you saw him do in his first year, um, you know, after what I saw Friday night in that opener, I'll admit it, I did not see Monday night um, from a tape standpoint, but I just don't know if at this point I'm 100% sold on this guy uh, being a starter for the UB Bulls. And I don't know if that means starting hard net, who are obviously right now he's been banged up a little bit, and he didn't even look that good against Dart- against Dartmouth. Looked but lost. He looked, exactly. He looked, he looked, he looked lost, lost too. in and, the pick and roll game especially. And he was someone who, you know, Coach B and Oates brought in that was supposed to be he was supposed to be a bull last year. He comes this year who I thought he'd be an automatic starter. And I remember talking to Oates when we did a show with him prior to the season before saying that, you know, Jonathan was supposed to be this, you know, future Mac player of the year. And I'm just not seeing it right now. And I, even in year two, I don't know if this guy's a starter for this team. And, you know, Kev, I'll start with you. Go to Ty B. But I, I really want to hear both your guys' thoughts on on this player. Yeah, I mean, knowing him from Rochester, and I actually have some friends and um, that know his father and, and stuff. And I have, I guess I can comment on him a little bit, kind of preface it by saying he was excited I don't want, I don't know if I should use the word excited. He was interested when Oates left because he thought his time would come for some reason, the Oates coach B theory or the blue collar or whatever wasn't a great fit. So actually when the coaching staff changed to white I heard that, you know, there was no chance he was going to leave and he was excited for this year. Uh, obviously the playing time has tripled nine minutes per game last year, 22 minutes. Now um, defensively, he always worries me guys. Um, I don't think he's there defensively. The problem is I think Nickelberry is, and it could be time to start David Nickelberry. Once he shows he's picked this thing up, Jonathan Williams has a whole year ahead of him or more um, with knowing the system. But I think when Hardnick gets it or Nickelberry gets it, I think you're right, Al, you could see some, some, some minutes cut by Jonathan Williams. Defensively, he's a nightmare. Um, you know, he struggles at the free throw line. I guess half the team does right now. Um, you know, three point percentage. He was like, oh, for 500,000 last year. Um, you know, he's always looking for offensive ball. And I think that it's there for him. But for his size and what he his athleticism, I just don't know how strong and, and, and he is, you know, in this in the system. So. You're right. The jury's still out on him. As good as Sagu is developed, and they're like best friends. Um, and Mbala, who's going to develop as a sophomore, we got to remember that guy. He's not a grad transfer. He's a sophomore, so we're going to see him get better and better. And I've already seen it. His 12 points, nine rebounds per game. He's a physical, defensive present like UB has never had um, with his ability to score. Um, you know, with him there and, and Hardnett as a you know kind of redshirt freshman and. Once again, Nickelberry picking this thing up, those minutes could really drastically decline. And Gabe Grant could eat into those minutes if he shows that you can, you, you got to keep him on the floor. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to need to keep him as a true six man or they can move Jonathan Williams to the six man role, kind of like a Perkins. So, guys, I think that there's that ability. Um, so, Ty B, I'm not sure where you stand on that, but I think that I need do need to see a little bit more from Jonathan with his minutes that he's playing nine nine points in 22 minutes. Um, he was really bad against Dartmouth, kind of. I guess the whole team was good against uh, Naz. So it's a true equalizer here and a true tiebreaker in this in this Harvard game to kind of figure this thing out. But I want more Mbala. I want more Nickelberry. I want more Grant. Um, that The minute's got to come from somewhere, and that could be the spot. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not against you on that. I think he needs to really improve his defensive game for sure because of the style that they're going to continue to play. That's going to be their main identity, I think, even under Jim Weitzel is that the defensive game comes first. You saw, like, he is 
taught under Rick Majerus um, at St. Louis before he went to Loyola as a head coach. And everywhere he's gone, the defense has, has come, and he's been sort of the leader of that. And I think that he's going to continue to preach it. And guys like Nickelberry, like you've said, have that length and have that ability to do these things and can guard multiple positions, which is phenomenal in the sort of style UB wants to play where you don't have the traditional one through five guys. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's going to be key too, especially against Harvard um, where they don't also play that sort of traditional style. Um, you're going to have guys like um, Chris Lewis, who's uh, their forward, who is, you know, he's not a traditional like center, but he is their big man at 6'9". He averages over 10 points per game. Uh, last year, he averaged almost 10 or two blocks per game. Uh, throughout the entire season so that's gonna be a great matchup for Mbala I think you have to get those guys you know beneath him involved though Um, if you can get whether it's you know Gabe Grant or Nickelberry whoever it is involved um, I think that has to happen because Janathan I think can have a, a huge role off the bench and can be that Perkins player and maybe that is his role because he can be you know someone who can score against someone's, you know, second team at a huge clip. Do you know, Tybee, if Aiken and um, is supposed to play or either of the two injured players, do you know anything about that for yeah, Saturday? Yeah, so speaking on Bryce Aiken so far, they've been very, very close to the guard on all of his stuff. Um, it looks like he's got a calf injury right now. Um, a lot of people have been hounding everyone, even Jeff Goodman. Uh, he doesn't even really know. Um, it looks like he's day-to-day from everything they've been saying. So it's very possible that this is going to be the first game he plays. He hasn't played yet at all this year. Um, Seth Towns set out all of last season, was their leading scorer the season before that, and player of the year in the Ivy League. Um, he could be back at any time because they haven't released any sort of timetable for his return. Um, Must be nice to be Harvard. Man. No <laughs> one asks you, I guess, right? Well, yeah, that too. Like, um, because Seth Towns, like, he couldn't redshirt all that stuff with Harvard not giving out um, scholarships. So it's, I don't know, it's very interesting to see how everything goes with the Ivy League. It's, it's just way different than everything else. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. They play Siena, by the way, um, Thursday. So they have another game sandwiched in here. Yeah. So, so hopefully we'll see, we have. Yeah, we'll see some. We'll get a. Yeah, we'll get a good glimpse of what they're going to be able to put out on the court. I think on Saturday on that in that Thursday game because yeah they've had some injuries, but they have guys who are you know below them who can really perform. Uh, whether it's Justin Bassey, the six six guard. Uh, he led the team last year with 6.6 rebounds, uh, surprisingly. Uh, was their second leading score or third leading scorer there at nine points per game. Uh, Noah Kirkwood, another, you know, a stretch guard, uh, had, or was the second leading scorer at 11.1 last year. I think he can do a lot for them. Uh, you have to also look out for Rio Haskett. Uh, Robert Baker, those guys can yeah, perform. Yeah, Robert Baker. But another thing about this team, there's two things, uh, and they're both about recruiting. So uh, they brought in a top 100 freshman recruit this year. Chris led them. He's performed decently well in their first two contests. Um, played a lot better in that main game. I think he put up 12 points, something like that. Um, it, he could really step up. He, he, he could continue to get a bigger role for that Harvard team. We'll see on that. Um, and their senior class this year, which includes uh, Aiken, Lewis, um, we haven't talked about Christian Juzang at all, uh, guard who comes off the bench. Robert Baker, them, too. Bassey, Lewis, uh, all these guys. Yeah, they're all seniors. They all come from a 25th-ranked recruiting class. Um, they're all seniors at this point, 
but neither of them have played in the NCAA tournament, and they're hungry for it. So the UB team is going to have to come out fighting for this, Al. Yeah, and that's why, you know, like Kevin said, we've, we've talked to people close to the team that, I mean, they were prepping their asses off for Dartmouth, and looked what happened. And like, and Oates loses to, to Penn in Alabama. And what was the other one? Um, it was a Canisius, lost to Brown. So yeah, it's like Brown. the Ivy League has been, you know, really hurting a lot of teams that Too we follow. Ivy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So this is, this is a big one Saturday, um, especially going into, uh, you know, a tough matchup going into UConn and uh, Charleston, South Carolina. That's gonna. It's, so if you want to start building some non-conference wins and, 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 and building some confidence going into MAC play, it starts on Saturday in Toronto. And no. that's what the game plan is. Hopefully that a few of us can make it there. I don't know if you guys got any got any final last words, but I'm really excited for, uh, you know, Saturday in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, getting into it real quickly, I think that UB can, I don't want to use save their season, they can save the start of their season. Yeah. Um, if, if I would have split Dartmouth and Harvard one and one, you take that all day. Um you know, now you're going to flip it. So now you could get yourself a huge win when you're missing some of their best players and they're going to come in just like UB. They're going to come into form here after, you know, at, at some point in, in Ivy league play. Um, so getting them right now is a good time to get Harvard, just like Dartmouth got us at the right time for sure. Um, when we should have been playing, you know, more of the Nazes and the, the, uh, the other weaker teams, the armies on our schedule, maybe even the Canisius's um, Dartmouth got us with the, specifically the greatest time they could, um, so, you know, before we even played Nickelberry, I mean, so Harvard, I think ha- they have a challenge coming to Toronto. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a pro anything crowd there, but it's a neutral floor game kind of, you know, equal, a great equalizer, the neutral floor. Um, and you're going to get a, a much better ready UB team than you did against Dartmouth and maybe play a little deeper guys. And, and ball is already developing and, and going to play a little bit more Nickelberry. I think UB can pull this one out by two or three. I mean, I got this 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 game. Um, this is with missing their two players with with those guys back. If we hear you know word of Sienna or other you know as they come back you know, this weekend, this is going to change. But if those two guys are out, I think UB pulls it pulls it together, gets another big win. If you remember that Nate Oates' tenure started with a loss, pretty poor loss too to start his tenure. So Weitzel has a chance here to bang you know bang down low, show Mbala you know really you know really play some defense like this Ivy League likes to. And get away with this one. I, I got a seventy-eight to seventy-four game, guys. UB's favored with those two players out. Who did wait real quick? Who did Oates lose to? Um, it was who was it? I just just looked this up. What was it? Two thousand fifteen. Was that his first year? Yep, I'm looking right now. They beat Pitt Bradford and they lost to old. Wait, yeah. Was that fifteen? I'm looking at 15-16 right now. And they lo- that year in 15-16, they lost to Miami in the NCAA tournament. So that would have been the right year, right? Yeah. So they they won to Pitt. Bradford was their first game? Yeah. Who was their and they, lo- and they lost back-to-back to Old Dominion and St. Joe's. Those are the two games I was thinking of. Okay. I didn't realize there was a Pitt-Bradford game in front of them. Yeah, um, Skeet, Skeet led the team with 12 against game. Old Dominion. Oh, Skeet went for 12. Yeah, against ODU. Yeah, yeah, I remember that playing really poor at Old Dominion. And then that Hall of Fame tip-off, that's right. They play like trash in that, um, where they lost to Old Dominion, St. Joseph, and, you know, beat that poor North Carolina NT team. Um, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, that, that's right. They went to that tournament and just looked lost. That's when I was worried. Um, they won a couple of games there, and then they went off to lose to Bonas, Duke, and I- Iowa State, which are, you know, obviously three good losses. But, um Kind of the same thing here. Whitehall has a chance to take this Harvard game and and make up for Dartmouth. And I have him doing it at this point. But if I hear that those two player of the years are back, gonna have to change that, guys. I think it's their hardest game with that with them healthy. But it's a good time to get him right, Tybee. What do you have in this one? Yeah, obviously that's the key to this game. Um, whether Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns are back or not. Um, if they're not back, I think this is a low scoring game. I don't know what the over under is gonna be yet. Obviously. Um, if it's anywhere around 130, I'm hammering that under if those players aren't back. Um, I think it's going to be a, a game in the 60s. Um, I don't see either of them going over that at that point. 
Um, if they're back, then I might be worried about that. Um, I think UB could pull this off. I wanna, I wanna back them. I really do. Um, I don't think they get it done. I think it's gonna be close though. 65-60 Harvard. I'll give it to them. Um, I think they just, they just have so much more returning, a little bit more veteran scoring, more veteran defense, and that's what's gonna kill the Bulls right now where they're going to really need to get that solidified for Mac play is just getting that rotation, especially on those pick and rolls. That's what really, really killed them against Dartmouth. I think they'll get that They'll get that down pat, especially, you know, with everything that Whitesell's come up in. He's got that perfect teaching background, especially defensively, to get them all in on that. And I think they'll get around to that eventually, but... Um, I just don't see him pulling it off in Toronto, but how about you, Al? You know, guys, it's to the point where I don't care who plays for Harvard on Saturday. This is a talented UB Bulls basketball team, and I feel like if if UB didn't lose at home to Dartmouth and they beat them handily, I don't know if we're talking this way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like it oh, was yeah. one of those games where if UB's 2-0 – Beat Dartmouth by 20, covered that spread, just blew out Nazareth, which they obviously they did. They should have done. I don't know if we're talking like this. So I'm really going to be interested, like you said, Tyvee, to see what this spread is, uh, to see what this over-under is, because I, I still think this UB team is very, very talented. Um, so going into Saturday, I would take UB, you know, whether it's both those guys are out, they're both in, or one of them's in or out. I think this team right now is prepping so hard um, for what's coming up with Charleston, UConn, and Harvard. So uh, I think these, I think this next week and a half is very crucial non-conference-wise, and this team's taking it very, very seriously. Um, expect, I mean, it was a huge wake-up call. Losing what do you got at the score, Al? And hold on, hold on. On a side note, uh, Devontae... Still, uh, we don't know. Uh, hopefully, he'll be there. But any oh, day, no. like, his status could change. But hopefully, he'll be there in Toronto. So, so M- Mrs. Good is yet to go. Wow. It's still Miss Good. They're not yet. But, in, you know, <laughs> is, at, at, at any point, his status could change. So, obviously, that's something to keep in everyone's mind. Um, Jesus. hopefully he'll be there, but, yeah. um, with contractions going on, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You never, exactly. And, we were talking yeah, about, have we you were been through that recently? Week. So, you know, Paging Kevin. Yes. Kevin's been through this recently, just like Ms. Good. So yeah, we're hoping, you know, we're hoping Devonta, you know, is ready to go and can make it happen on Saturday because, yeah, that would be obviously a uh, uh, a devastating loss. Obviously, the free throw percentage for the team might go up, but, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you lose a lot of senior leadership. What do you got the lot, score? What do you got the score, defense. Uh Score, I'll go uh, 67-59 Bulls. So you're pounding the under, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's – yeah, defensive ball game, uh, just like a low-scoring game like it was against Dartmouth. Um, I don't know if the offense is all there yet, so I'll take Bulls and the under on Saturday. Wow. Yeah, I mean, prayers up and good vibes for Devontae. Yep. Um, luckily, if things in those regards go soon, he should be okay. The only thing I would say, if it's you know, Thursday or Friday thing, I don't I don't think that's that would be good um, for his game status, but really great for his family as, you know, I think also bullet points, you know, wish them all well. And, of course. Um, what a great, what a great time and great reason to miss a basketball game if you have to but um the only reason the <laughs> yeah, i think so too so it could change you know the, the team as well but i think sagu's ready for it i mean the team's plus minus and Corsi scores that i've seen um posted for the team when sagu's in are really strong so mm-hmm. it could be his time to shine if that happens so guys i'm looking forward to this one really big game in toronto um really get this thing kicked off and it could be Whitesell's first signature win um, setting them up for Charleston. So good time to get Harvard. Rather have them now than in December. Exactly. Uh, they might need this for their profile if they're looking at the tournament this year. Yep. I, 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 Kyle, you just nailed it on the head. This is Weitzel's first 
big non-conference game. Ty B, dare I say it, it's the UB basketball Super Bowl, Super Bowl of November. It is. <laughs> Got to get it done in Toronto. So, folks, thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, AppleAppoints716. Kevin Masseri, Ty B, Maniac with the women's team. Buy from Bunt. That's all I'm going to say. If you're at West Her. Hashtag buy from Bunt. Hashtag buy from Bunt. Get your car from West Her. Get your car from West Her. That's what you got to do. But, yeah, folks, hopefully we see you all in uh, Toronto. Good night now.